This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to part two of this special podcast looking at women in football. In this section, we'll speak to none other than Lou Roberts, the Stoke City women first team coach. We'll delve into Lou's career to date, including all the highs and lows. We'll get a better understanding of the structure of the women's team. We'll learn what the ambitions are for both Lou and the women's team going forward. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, so we are the privilege today of being joined by Lou Roberts from the Stoke City Women's Setup. Hello, Lou. Hi, guys. You all right? Yes, brilliant. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks. Just just got back from training. Have you a good session? Yeah, really good night on the grass tonight with the girls. Um, I was just saying it was a little bit chilly considering how warm it's been today. But other than <laughs> that, it was a good night on the grass. Did everybody everybody turned up in the in the full shorts now thinking the Hawaiian stuff, thinking we had a nice day and then the the, the uh, spring the spring night hit did it <laughs> yeah we were shorts and t-shirts at seven o'clock and about half eight it was gloves and hats so yeah quick, a quick <laughs> changeover not doing a ricardo fuller by turning up two hours late now <laughs> no no we don't have any of that <laughs> <laughs> um so obviously you Lou, you, you've sort of done a bit of everything haven't you over the years with with the stoke where we set up um you know you, you've been a first team regular you, you've captained the first team uh, you've won the treble. Uh, you've scored at the Bet 365 Stadium. Um, I mean, obviously, I know you sort of. I've seen you sort of said yourself you didn't. You didn't score many goals, so you, you kept them for the for the good occasions, didn't you? <laughs> that one. Yeah. So um, I think for any Stoke fan, the the dream has to be scoring at the Bet. Um, so yeah, we did that a couple of times, and I didn't score many goals in my career, but the goals I did score did tend to be on on the Bet 365. And they are special moments. I don't think you ever kind of forget them kind of days. They kind of they, they mean a little bit more and they, they do stay with you. They do, particularly as a Stoke fan. I think that is every Stoke fan's dream. I think it has to be. Yeah, I mean, like I say, you've had a lot of lot of things there um, that I've just mentioned. I mean, how would you rank them? What would you say you know was your the top moment for you? Would, would it have been like you know winning the treble, giving, having the armband for the first time, scoring that, scoring those goals at the Bet365? I think I would have to put the treble at the top of that list. Um, the, the reason for that was, for me personally, probably wearing the armband was probably the most significant moment. Just because to captain 
my hometown and as a supporter was was unbelievable. The time that I had as captain, it was such a privilege. I had such a good group of girls that we were working with at the time as well. And we were lucky enough to go on to win the treble. The reason the treble probably topples that for me is because that wasn't just about me. It was about us as a group and, and us as a club. And the change that that treble winning season made to us as a group of players and staff and, and as a women's team was unbelievable. That really put us on the map. A lot of people started to recognise us. Um, so for, for the reason that if I was being selfish, it would be the armband. But I think as a collective group, I would have to say the treble winning season is was the most significant season for me. Um, it just changed the way that women's football was viewed in the county and the city. And we had so much recognition from that point onwards. Obviously, scoring at the bet, a little bit of a selfish one. Again, I did enjoy it, um, but that was very much a personal moment, I think. Um, it was part of a, a big season for us, which I'll always remember and enjoy. But I think I have to always put to, to the top of the list the times that we were, we were successful as a group and as a team. Very, very good. Very modest there, Lou. Very modest, putting the, <laughs> the team first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and obviously, like now, you've sort of you've moved into a new role now. You're now reserve team coach. So um, yeah, so before COVID, I had a phone call just to say, listen, um, I'd got my coaching badges, but I'd, I'd retired due to injury. But I had a phone call saying, listen, would you mind just doing a bit of a favour, just joining the coaching staff um, on more of a casual basis? And I said, you know what, I think I'm ready to get back involved. Uh, retiring from football is huge for me as a player. It dictated my life for 15, 20 years. Personal life, professional life, nothing really mattered. Football came first. So when I retired, it was it was a real roller coaster for the first six to 12 months. But I did feel the time was right before COVID to get back involved. The opportunity came and I took it. And I was lucky enough to work with a really young group of, of girls in the reserve team. And I enjoyed that time. We were successful during that time. Um, I learned a lot. I worked with a great coach, Tom Pond. He was he was fantastic to work with. And then COVID really hit, um, which put an end to the season, put the end to training and changed football a little bit for me. But it gave me time to think. It gave me time to actually go away and understand exactly where I wanted to be in football and what I wanted to do. And during that time away um, from the grass with the, the squad, I decided that I really wanted to progress as a coach. Um, so I sat down with Chloe, our, our technical director, and I said, listen, you know, I, I want to progress. I want to continue my journey and, and do my coaching badges. Um, so we sat down, we had a conversation. She was really supportive. The club were really supportive. And we decided that in the summer, last summer, that I would join her with the first team squad. Um, during the 12, well, nine to 12 months that I've been with them, we've had so many changes. So Chloe was technical director and we got a head coach in place. Um Due to work commitments, head coach then resigned from her role. Um, Chloe took over um, and we had a good six months together where I learned so much from her and the staff that I work with. Um, that was really valuable time. And then recently, obviously, Chloe's resigned from her post as technical director. Um, so I'm currently working with the first team, which, which I didn't anticipate nine months ago, but which I'm relishing and enjoying. So a bit of a topsy-turvy season. Um, and a real mixed start to coaching career, but something I'm enjoying. It's it's difficult at times. It poses challenges I've never faced before. But I think I've probably learnt more about myself in the last nine months than I probably have done in the last nine years. It's really asked questions of me as a person. So I'm enjoying it, um, and I've got no doubt there's more challenges to come. But as they come, we'll we'll face them and we'll tackle them, and we'll see where it leads us. 
I suppose, Lou, I mean, obviously nobody would have wished for those scenarios to kind of take place. But I suppose the benefit with those types of things, if if there is a silver lining, really, is it opens up doors for people like yourself and um, you know, the, the the ability to, to take on new challenges. So um, I suppose it's, uh, as you said, it, we're not talking from a selfish perspective, but from a personal perspective, it, it's a good opportunity for you to, to make your mark now. And, and I guess end goal for you, what what exactly would you say that that is, or have you not quite figured that out yet? I think, um, again, going back to being a Stoke fan, I think the the peak of my coaching career would be head coach at, at Stoke City. Um, that would be something that would be a real privilege and an achievement to get to that to that stage of my career. There's there's a long journey to go. There's a lot of learning to do. I've just recently enrolled onto my UA for B qualification, so. That'll be the priority for the next nine to 12 months, just to get that complete. And, and once we've achieved that, whilst working with, with the staff we've got at Stoke, hopefully I can continue to drive on. But yeah, the, the goal for me, I think, is to is to head coach Stoke City Women. Um, that would be the dream job. Um, but there is a good distance to go before that's realised. Um, but I enjoy the journey. I enjoy working the staff that we've got. I learn a lot from the staff that we've got in place. We're quite a, a close-knit team and we work well together. So although that is the, the ambition, um, I don't want that prematurely. I want it to be at the right time when I'm ready and the club's ready for it as well. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, I think it's, as I say, I think one of the main reasons we wanted to kind of bring you on the pod especially was just try and understand the, the women's team a little bit more. And me, me and Dan on this pod, we've, we've tried to, to champion the women's football. We have a section on, on women's football under 18s and under 23s. It's always good to to understand that side of the club because you know from our personal opinions we don't think it's sung about enough now i remember um, i'll be honest I, I haven't followed the women's football an awful lot but again that's because for me lack of, of wh- where do i find out this information a lot of it to be honest lou so the my lasting memory and i don't remember what game it was but i think you'd won three or four trophies um in one season and i seem to remember you know you've been championed around the pitch and um that was a big kind of eye-opener for me it was like wow like you've gone and done all this and i didn't even know about it um so i yeah i think it's just an acknowledgement for me that you know i think it's it's definitely valued um we we see the value that we get from the feedback um from everybody so yeah it's just it's nice to see that the women's football is is doing well and um i think it's only going to get bigger and better hopefully yeah i'd like to think so um covid really um COVID really pushed the game on and it probably didn't advance many things in life um, but women's football seems to have definitely benefited from it. It's given a lot of clubs, particularly at our level and higher, the opportunity to invest and build on the current infrastructure, invest in, into the staff, into the players. Um, I think sometimes as, as coaches and working within football clubs, you become so drawn into the day-to-day running of, of the club and, and winning results and winning games and being on the training ground that you forget how much time and effort really needs to go into into behind the scenes. So the, the women's game's really taking advantage from everyone being able to work on the football club, club rather than in the football club and on the grass all the time. Um, I'd like to think that we can continue to push that as we move forward, the game will progress. Um, obviously, as we strengthen the relationship with the club and, and key members within the club, I only see us getting stronger, um, hopefully more visibility for, for the supporters. But yeah, as a whole, really pleased with with where we're at at the moment in terms of 
the relationship with the club and, and how things are progressing and the development of women's football in general. Um, but as with everything, we're always looking to be better. We're always looking for a little bit more. Um, and that's of ourselves and everybody around us. That's, you know, that's not me asking for more from the club. That's me saying that actually we do believe we can still be better. We can still push this on and we, we can still be better as a women's football club. So there are people that work really hard in the background to make that happen. And hopefully you guys that, that aren't involved in it on, on a day-to-day basis start to, to see that a little bit more as it becomes more visible to the supporters. Yeah, um, like you said, I think the, the the key, especially to help sort of a club grow, is the sort of exposure, isn't it? Getting getting out, there, getting the name out there, getting you know, and there is a platform available to get to a wide audience. So, like I say, we, me and Mark, have championed that you know that, that there isn't enough coverage of the under 23s and under 18s on the male side like he said and also there isn't enough sort of on the ladies side on the women's side sorry that we from our point of view anyway in our opinion um it's something that we champion mike's on the supporters council it's something he's put forward to the chairman as well um through that saying that you know in something that is that actually sort of like you know monitoring to yeah to to, to you know to go back with it and, and you know Hopefully they'll stand firm on you know um, actually go you go forward with what they're actually saying they're going to do. So yeah, because I think that that's going to be a massive help to you guys, you know, to you guys as well, isn't it? As is to get you know basically people more people know about you, the more the easier it's going to be for you to grow as a club. Yeah, I don't think it's any secret that our biggest platform is Stoke City Football Club, and and the more they backers the more visibility and they give us to their audience the more support that we all get um i don't think there is a better platform either than the football club everybody that that supports stoke city that i've ever spoke to champions the women's side if they know about it i think you're right in what you say that there's, there's a large percentage of supporters that just haven't got visibility on how we operate as a women's team you know, where do we play our home fixtures? Where are we in the league standing? How successful are we as a football club? Um, and if, if supporters don't know and don't have, have that coverage from the club, then we need to make that happen. Um, we need to make sure that, that we are on those platforms that are visible to fans and and give ourselves the best chance to be supported by supporters of Stoke City Football Club. Um, I've been a fan of Stoke City from from a small child. Um, I wouldn't want to support anybody else, and I wouldn't want anybody else to support our women's team either. I think as as a set of fans, I feel privileged to be part of that group and be part of Stoke City Football Club. And I'd be absolutely honoured if those fans would love to to follow us and support us as well. But you're right, you're right in what you say that un, until they're aware of of who we are and what we're about, and you know where we play our home games and and who the players are and how successful we are, it's very difficult for, for fans to engage with players, staff in the football club. In lieu, in terms of, obviously, that recruitment, so obviously if I think about the men's football here, and again, this is just my lack of knowledge, which I'm hoping you can kind of fill in. So if I think of, of kind of men's football, you know, if kids go to school, they get picked up from school and picked up from various different you know, academies and Sunday league teams and bits like that. Now, when it comes down to women's football, are players found in the same types of ways? Is there anything that you know, we have? We have quite a lot of female listeners that, that listen to this. And um, is there a way that they could help get themselves discovered or start 
their kind of path and wanting to get into the Stoke City ladies teams? Is, is there a natural way of doing it or is there a little bit of our element of luck of being found in a way? So obviously within the community departments, they're out within the local schools within Stoke-on-Trent and Staffordshire. Um, so if they identify any talent, um, that would notify our RTC. So our regional talent centre um, is for under 16s. So that's comparable to the academy, I suppose. Um, so once you enter the RTC, um, it, it's a very similar environment to the academy, but it's a comparable female version. You would you would progress through the RTC, at which point you would graduate once you left school. And that's when you then go into open age football, into women's football, and you join uh-huh. the women's team. So it, it, it's a very similar setup to how the academy operates. Um, but we don't have a recruitment network of, of scouts, which the academy have. So they'll be actively out looking for players of a certain calibre that they can bring in and improve all their age groups. Um, whereas we don't have that network of scouts. So we are reliant upon workers within the community department or within the RTC um, or pre-season trials. So for players to voluntarily come forward and say, do you know what, I'd like to trial. I play for a local club, but I'd like to progress. So there's that opportunity at pre-season to come and trial. But yes, in terms of opportunities, it probably is slightly more limited to in comparison to, to male football, particularly at younger ages, just because we haven't got that scouting network. We haven't got five to ten staff that are paid to go out there and, and recruit a particular player or a certain calibre of player. But there are opportunities. So if you do get spotted within, you know, maybe an education environment or or you do want to vol- voluntarily come forward, we do trial in pre-season. Um, so there are opportunities, but I think as a female, you probably do have to go looking for them rather than being on your doorstep, as with male football. We had a we had a, um, a part one of this was speaking to some younger fans and younger supporters, and uh, you know I think there's a, a lot of driven women out there who really want to get into this. So I think that type of a an understanding uh, it, it educates me, uh, and it also educates you know obviously other people to try and get involved. So I remember seeing the, the you know the preseason um, go up on on the actual Stoke City app, uh, requesting people to go and visit. So I think they they are at least putting that message out there so pre-season people just need to keep keep an eye out on the internet and they'll be able to find out how how they can get involved yeah sort of touching back as well on what you were saying about um obviously like the communications as well Uh, i I see a very good friend of mine is james knowles who used to work very closely with you didn't he Um, yeah i think he did so he was really sort of i know from obviously from from being close friends with him that he's He's really passionate and, and so as he still is, so just can't really sort of get involved like, like he used to. But um yeah, he was really passionate about about your, you know, about the uh, Stoke City women's side and and helping that, you know, develop and, and everything as well. Yeah, James was he was crucial um over the last few years in promoting and, and pushing the female game and Stoke City women, he did it an exemplary job. I think anybody that you speak to about James knows and the work that, that he did for, for the women's team, everybody has such good words to say, such high praise. He was he was unbelievable. Um, and it wasn't just the, the social media work that he did. He, he actually cared. He put a lot of time and effort into to everything that he did. He backed the girls completely. Um, and he's, he's very much missed his nosy. Um, he's, a, he's a lovely bloke, but he was, he was really passionate about the women. He gave up a lot of his own time to do it. Um, which 
which in this day and age, everybody's got busy lives. Everyone's got a career. Everyone's got family. They've got friends. Um, and everyone's a Stoke City fan. So you already lost his Saturday. He would give up his Sundays. He would commit that. And he did a superb job. He really did. I think it's great for, for, for people to get involved. Um, it, it really is. And I, I guess then, Lou, just to, to help out um, as well, because you mentioned, I'm sorry to kind of go back to the almost the beginning here, but you mentioned your um, your injury and obviously how that kind of started off, obviously, the, the situation with yourself where you'd kind of come to the end of, of, of your playing career. So um, how, how did that feel as, as an individual? Because like you said, you live and breathe Stoke City. You absolutely love it. I mean, is it just a moment where you, your kind of body says, look, I've just had enough now. Um, and, you know, you, you go away and, you know, you do your your, your coaching badges, um, which obviously is something you're, you're, you're looking at now. So um, from your perspective, is it, is it more of a chance? Was it more of a situation that you're, you just knew you had to call, call time on, on football playing, really? Was that, was that generally how it happened for you? Yeah, so I'd had a couple of big injuries, I'd had a couple of operations, and I was still playing. Um, but as a female footballer, we're not contracted or paid to play. So I came to a crossroad where there was a couple of things I had to consider. The first one was my long-term health. Like, I could have continued playing, I could continue having operations. But I also had to consider that every time I had an operation or I was injured or I, I couldn't walk or I was on crutches, I wasn't in work. And I've also got a career that I had to balance because football, as much as I loved it, wasn't, it wasn't a paying career. I earned yeah. no money from playing. So as much as I loved it and I wouldn't give up if I didn't have to, I also had to consider I've got a career and I, I need to pursue that. And, and those kind of health and career had to come first. I come to a crossroad where I needed more surgical work and I was approaching 30 and the surgeon was saying even if I operate the chances of you playing for a succession of years is probably quite slim anyway you're probably going to do more damage than you are good so I came to that point where I had to make a, a really tough decision but at that point I did know it was right I'd have never yeah, walked yeah. away from football if I'd have got any doubts at all I would have never walked away but I think I knew time was up I was I was tired of I've perhaps been in the physio room a little bit. I was tired of being injured. I was tired of of not being in work consistently. Um, and those kind of those kind of stresses within your life, they, they do take its toll. So I got to the point where I did prioritise career and health. Um, and looking back now, it was the right decision in the right time. I think if I'd have continued to play, I probably wouldn't have been as successful as as I'd been previously. Um, and I'd probably be disappointed ending my career that way, whereas actually went out on a high. We had a real succession of promotion winning seasons, cup winning seasons. Um, so I was happy to go out when I did. Um, and I think you do know as an individual, you do know you get to that point where you're happy and you're comfortable with your decision. And although it was tough and it took me a while to accept, um, I'm happy I made it when I did and, and chose the career path that I did. Well, you mentioned obviously, you know, again, obviously success that you had, and like I said, I I, I do remember that quite well, and it was it it, it was it was you know it was quite pr- proud to, to to see that going around the stadium and seeing the club be successful, even if the men's team were absolutely shocking. You know, we've we've always <laughs> got the you know, we've got got the women's team to to fall back on absolutely, and you know you've done some great things. I mean, obviously 2013, you mentioned, you know, I think it was the 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 treble of league, league cup, and, and county cup. I think it was um yeah. for that. So. When you're on that journey, and obviously you're seeing these cups kind of, kind of, kind of add up, really. Are you, 
are you in the moment so it's it's hard to really appreciate what you're achieving or along that journey did could you just see everything was clicking the all the players were were fit and rare and was it was it quite obvious we um before we had the the treble winning season we hadn't had it all our own way um we'd got a really good group of players we'd had we'd been together for a while a couple of seasons but we hadn't had his own way it's quite a competitive league um but i think when we entered that season there was something different there was something different about there was nothing different in terms of personnel and the group of players that we got but there was a different feel we were confident we were organized we were very disciplined as a group and those things combined with the quality we got in the squad it just seemed to fit together really well um we really did click that season. I've got no doubt if I look back now in some detail that we also had a little bit of luck on the way. Um, but we definitely clicked. We worked hard. We trained three times a week, which is something not many teams when I've worn a Stoke shirt have done. But we were all committed. We trained on a Friday night. So bearing in mind, if the girls were training on a Friday night, you can't go out on a Saturday because it's game day Sunday. You've lost your weekend every weekend for nine months. For in essence, what was an it was a hobby. We didn't get paid to play, um, so there was no financial gain. We weren't contracted in that fashion. So I think, in hindsight, we got our reward for our commitment and discipline and, and the quality we got within this squad. But there was there was a different feel that season. There's no doubt about it. We'd still got the same group that we'd had previous seasons, but something just did feel a little bit different it clicked um and it, it really did work and that was the foundation for the success that went on to follow for the next almost decade that season did set us up really well but yeah when you mention it having a different feel it definitely did whether i don't know whether we spent the, the previous two three seasons progressing and developing and, and working up to that season we probably did but that season definitely was our year no, it, it was amazing, and I think it's 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 quite um, interesting. I think I think there's always a preconceived, you know, you, you you play for Stoke that, you know, you get you get paid really well, and I think obviously that's but from what you're telling me here, it's it's absolutely not the case. You're certainly not doing it for the money. Um, you know, I guess obviously all, 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 all the women have got their own jobs that they're doing other times. So, um, you know, you really literally are playing for the love of the game, which a lot of people would love all football to kind of go back to that instead of people being on 300 grand a week and and all that you know back, back, back to the love of the game and i know that um one thing that i think dan was was speaking to me about and i probably can't do it just as as much justice um is him but i know think in 2018 the leagues were kind of revamped I, I think he was mentioning that you know you applied to be in the new loop kind of two two tier kind of super league um you know generally what what was the kind of thinking behind that uh really We've always had an, an interest in the Super League and the Championship from, from the restructuring um, almost a decade ago. We've always shown an interest and we, we've always kind of kept our name within that kind of group of teams that are, are ambitious enough to, to look that way. There's, there's a couple of contributing factors. The first one is obviously you have to be champions of Tier 3, which we're in now, so you have to go on to win that league. If you win our league, you then get the opportunity to go into a playoff with the Southern Premier League. If you win that game, you then get the opportunity to to bid to enter. And you have to be financially and infrastructurally supported. So, as with the men's game, if you win promotion, you get promoted. If you then go into that league and 
and you aren't adequate, whether it's on the field or whether it's financially or within the, you know, the resources or staff that you've got, you would just get relegated and that would just be a process you go through. Within the women's game, they actually confirm that you can financially support your bid to be and play at that level. They, there is a process that you go through to to almost apply, if you like, okay. um, to, to, to get to, to play at that level. Um, pros and cons of that. The, the pro is that hopefully everybody that, that gets promoted and gets accepted, it's sustainable. So when they get there, they, you know, they don't bounce straight back. They have a really good opportunity at fighting to stay in the league and continue to develop and progress. So there's a level of sustainability because when you, you do get promoted, you know that it's fit for purpose. Your, your football club's got all the elements that, that are required. I suppose the, the con of that is that not every female football club is financially backed to that degree nor has it got the infrastructural support from their, their main club. So some clubs could potentially win promotion but not be able to support that bid. It's, um, it's something that I know has held other clubs within the region back previously. I hope we've moved past that point now as, as, as a sport. I feel as though women's football now is, is better back than it was even three, four years ago. So I'd, I'd like to think that not many football clubs would come across those issues, but I do know within tiers three and four, some clubs aren't financially backed as well as others. And that would be an issue for them if they ever were in the position to, to get promoted. Um, obviously, we would have to go on to win this league um, to be a candidate for promotion. If that happened, um, I would love to put a bid together to go to the championship. And I've got no doubt that the club would support us within that bid. I would like to think that they would. They'd financially back us and they'd give us the infrastructure and support that we needed to to make that happen. But first and foremost, we have to be successful on the grass and we have to make sure that we're successful, we pick up points and, and we're in that top three within the next few seasons and then we push on to win the league. Um, I guess then, obviously, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the, the plan for yourself and obviously doing the, the kind of coaching badges. Um, I mean... What would you say is kind of the the immediate aim for for Stoke City women at the minute in time? Then is it literally about just taking it step by step, as you said, you know, winning that league and and kind of taking it from there? Is is that really the kind of the immediate aim? Because I know there's been a lot of upheaval around uh, different people as we've discussed, but is that really the main aim? Just block all that out and just just do whatever you can from your side. Yeah, I think um, at the minute. Um... We've got five games left. We've got five cup finals. Our priority over the next five weeks is to retain the Staffs Cup, um, which we've held for some time now, and to retain Tier 3 status, so stay in the, the National Northern Premier League. Um, once we've done that, we then move into the summer. Obviously, we hadn't anticipated finishing the season without Chloe, our technical director, so things are a little bit different at the minute. So we just take it game by game. Once we've got through these next five games and the season comes to an end, um, that's a great opportunity for everybody to sit down and decide exactly what the one, three and five year plans look like. But one thing's for certain, everybody involved is ambitious. Everybody see, is in it for, for the long term. Nobody is, is blindsided by the fact that this can be done overnight. I think everybody's realistic in understanding that this is going to take some time. The sooner the better, but we all appreciate that, that success doesn't come overnight. We've got a squad that, that we're comfortable with, but that we'll add to and we'll build and develop. We've got some very young players that are talented, that, that need time with us to, to really reach their full potential. So 
we're, we're very realistic with what we've got and where we want to go, but we've got very ambitious people around the table that want to push it forward. It's now a case of us finishing the season off, I think drawing a line, and then actually let's look to the future. Let's be positive, let's be ambitious, but let's also be realistic. Let's make smart steps to make sure that we, we are moving forward and we're achieving what we look to achieve each season. Um, let's not over overhit and, and miss the goal. Let's be sensible in, in what we look to achieve. Absolutely. And I think, is, are there any uh, secret players we need to keep an eye out for? Anyone who's really, really a future star? There, there are a couple of there are a couple of youngsters um, that are breaking through um, from the RTC. There are there are some exceptional players at that level, some internationals. Um, I probably won't mention him <laughs> for the fear of embarrassing him. But yes, we have some we have some fantastic talent coming through, and it's all homegrown from the RTC. So it's come through our system. Um, they've been with us for a number of years. They then break into the reserve development squad, and then they break into our squad. And some of those players are still 16. We've got a couple of players that have been training with us at open age level from the age of 14 and don't look out of place. They just wow. aren't legally old enough to compete competitively for us. So we've got some real good talent. I suppose in that respect, we, we mirror the men's team. that There is some real quality coming through the system. It just needs time to, to be nurtured and come to fruition a little bit. Um, but yeah, happy with what comes through through our own system. He just needs a little bit of time. There's a couple of girls that just need a little bit of experience at open age football just to find their feet. Um, and hopefully over the next few years we can retain them and they see the future that we see and they invest in in where we want to go. Absolutely. I think I think the future's future's really bright. I mean, again, we had Angela Smith um on 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 the pod a short time ago and we were talking about, you know, the how much women's football has grown. And I think Ange mentioned a scenario in, in Spain where it's really like very well respected over there. I think they, that the Barcelona team uh, were apparently amazing. Uh, they're like, some of the, probably the best in the world. And uh, they were selling out like 40 odd thousand tickets, you know, international football is, is kind of escalated. And then, you know, it was started to make its way onto more of the, the mainstream channels. So I think there's definitely been a, there's been a switch, and I think you alluded to COVID on that front, and I totally agree with you. It's it's really noticed now. Um, the only criticism I think I'd probably have of the likes of Sky Sports, etc., is something that, again, Dan mentioned, was that sometimes it's kind of put on at the same time as, as a big men's game where, you know, it's almost a background noise, if you like. Yeah. And I think that's for the media, you know, Sky Sports and co. I'm not going to just call them out, but the likes of them to to understand that, you know, look, people are interested in this, that, that there's a lot of people out there and it's not just women, a lot of men love watching, you know, women's football and it's just changing that mindset a little bit, isn't it? You know, it's such a global sport that I think a lot of people have got a lot of interest in. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd completely mirror your comments there. Um, we had an in, like a, an incident a few months ago where there was a, a, a National Cup final that was held at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Now, all women's football kicks off at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, which pretty much ruled out any female involved in competitive football, either watching or attending the FA Cup final. Um, so we just need to be a little bit smarter and work with the likes of Sky Sports, work better with the FA to to be able to attract those kind of crowds. Um, I've got no doubt that we could, you know, if the latest England friendlies, there was crowds of thirty and 40,000 there. They have a really good following now. But 
I think a good percentage of them, although there are there are other supporters that are you know male and predominantly follow the male game, a large percentage of those supporters will either be a footballer, coaching football, have a daughter that plays football, have previously played or coached football. So to have a cup final at two o'clock on a Sunday when everybody's already got the hands full and tied up with their own fixture, um, that kind of that kind of summarises where we're at. We need to be a little bit more more clever, avoid obviously peak time for men's football, avoid peak time for women's football. And let's just see if we can get those spectators stacked up, get more people involved and watching, whether it's at home on the settee or whether it's live at the game. But just make it more achievable for people to get there and, and watch it and, and and to be a spectator. At times, it's been difficult to watch women's football, like you've said. Sometimes I struggle with the days and times that, that it's broadcast because as a coach, I've got commitments that I have to, to meet with Stoke. So that comes first and the girls come first. So then watching it comes second, which is disappointing because I'd love to watch more of the women's football. To be fair, I do watch a lot on catch-up. Um, <laughs> but not everybody has that luxury or has the time to do that either. Um, so, yeah, let's. I think as as a country, we can we can broadcast better. We can pick better um, kick-off times and kick-off days and just avoid the peak times for men's and women's football just to attract better spectator figures. Lou, I really, really appreciated you. Know, it's been an eye an eye opener for me. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Dan would would definitely agree. Um, it's the, the 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 kind of scope and the world has certainly um, improved, as we've discussed on this. So I just want to say, you know, a, a really big thank you for for joining us. Um, it's really appreciated, and it's good to see um, just you know what what the club's starting to achieve, and um, hopefully in the coming kind of uh, weeks, we'll we'll keep an eye on the. Uh, of course, on the results. No, that's fantastic, guys, and thanks for having me. Take care. Cheers, Lou. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Bye. Well, I don't know about you, but that was a real eye-opener for me and Dan. Uh, thank you very much to Lou for that, and I hope you all enjoyed it too. So if you've missed part one, then be sure to go back and check it out. We spoke to four amazing women from a various of backgrounds, and thankfully the international break is almost over, so Normal Pods, as always, will resume at Friday at 7am, Take care, everyone. I'll see you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.